Hello, Wayne. How's it going? It's going very well. How's it going for you, Ed? It's very good. Thank you. Yes. Enjoying sunny weather today, which is nice. And I'm enjoying, and I am enjoying, it's not just, I'm not being facetious, I'm enjoying the fact that it's terrible weather in Manchester because I think the terrible conditions helped Manchester United win a game of football. And I'm quite happy about that. Just about won a game of football. Just about. It's it's one of those games if you didn't see the score or any goals, you'd think oh, United were well on top. 60% possession, 19 shots on goal, completely dominant. And yet, yeah. and yet, one Dave save, or one lucky shot, or one deflection away from not picking up those points today. Yeah. Kind of familiar theme, isn't it? Yeah, it was. Brentford have only lost five games all season. Before tonight, they've only lost five games. So they're a difficult team to beat. And we came into the game with no midfield in in the same... Well, we don't have Casemiro or Eriksen, so that's no midfield as far as as I'm concerned. Without wanting to be too harsh. So we knew we weren't going to be controlling that area of the pitch. That's why I'm saying the the conditions helped because it made it um, the kind of game where possession wasn't going to be important now. I felt United's reaction was really good in the first hour. You said 60%. Yeah. And, and I, th- I felt probably that mirrors the game. They had 60% of the game. They, they did really well for that first, particularly the first half. They, they came out with something to prove. And I, and I like that. I mean, that that's little shoots, little green spurts that we've seen over the last year. Of, we don't always see a response from this United team. And you would have expected you'd see it. Against Newcastle, we didn't. We saw it tonight for the first half, and then the conditions got considerably worse. It was difficult to control that game. And then if you don't get a second goal in a game like that, you are basically leaving it to Russian roulette for the last half an hour, even this United team. Really? And and, and they were, do you know? And then they came back into it, and they knew what they were doing. They, they I think United, even Tenog a little, was a little shaken from the first game against them because they started piling on for the set pieces in the first sort of hour they didn't have any and then for the last half an hour they were they were playing for them and we were well alarmingly for one period we were quite happy to give them set pieces and I was like what there's no one yeah you, right you don't want to do that yeah yeah but you know we got through I mean it. I, I was saying like one lucky shot one chance they were they were we we tried hard to give them some opportunities. I mean, Dave with his kicking, and it seems to be regressing, which is weird. Because, you, I mean, normally, the theory goes that you, the more you do something, the more you practice, the better you get. That's generally the theory, but it doesn't seem to work that way with Dave and his kicking. No. And so there's that, and then the Ivan Tony shot right at the end where he tried to chip the keeper. He's no Cantona, is he? No. So didn't manage it. I just, I think Aaron Hickey had a shot late on that was went wide, and yeah, just one of those. And like, it, this shouldn't have been a game of such fine margins, but it ended up becoming it. No, and I guess that's it's just a symptomatic of of United only scored forty two goals in the league this season. We're just not a high scoring side, and I, I was trying to work it out. Why is that? Because you've got Rashford, Sancho. Bruno, Anthony, that's what, a few hundred million yeah. worth of attacking attacking players there. As I said, 19 shots. It's not like we weren't taking shots. Quite a lot of low-value yeah. shots there. And 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 maybe Ericsson will make a big difference when he comes back because he is the player that 
that is the build-up player, isn't he? Yeah. And and that is important. You want to be creating the chances in the right areas, not just shooting from 25 yards. And so touch wood, that is it. And obviously a striker will help. Mm. I think I do think Marcus likes coming from that left-hand side, open it up. And, and you saw when and Martial came on, he, he immediately sort of went back left, didn't he? So, yeah, uh, there's there's reasons to be hopeful, but it was just yeah, too too fine a margin, and and given how tight it is now for the top four spaces, there's uh, there's not too many opportunities to throw more points away. No, but we but I know what you're saying, but we didn't. So that's one one good. We didn't, yeah. but it, it does feel like a little bit of a flat end to the game. What I would say is before the game, even before taking the con- the conditions into consideration. I would have expected a game to be tight against Brentford. I would have expected them to probably be more aggressive on the front foot, trying to spook United early on, and they didn't do that. Um, So it ended in a way that I was not completely comfortable with. But if you gave me the overall pattern of the game and you said these things are going to happen at a certain point, I would probably expect that. As for the low-scoring aspects, what you said, I mean, you got to remember... can hardly forget, really, that the biggest problem has been an immobile Ronaldo and an immobile Vegos in, in that sort of central position. Yeah. And the the preseason offered plenty of promise because we had Sancho, Martial and Rashford, and we haven't had that Sancho in the season. We've barely had Martial. Tonight, whatever combination they play in, um, you would expect, especially when Rashford and Sancho and Rashford and Martial are playing, that they're going to interchange at some point around that. So it was probably due or overdue that Vegos was going to have a little bit of a rest out and we were going to try these different combinations. And I suspect, or at least I hope, that once these combinations get back into some kind of rhythm that we're going to start seeing some goals again. Yeah. But again, you've got that combination of the attack, the lack of combination in attack, and then the real difficulty that we've had since Christmas in fielding a, a consistent a midfield selection three. And, and you, you you know how jarring that can be when just one of those components is out or two. When it's, when it's Casemiro, it's not so bad. When it's just Casemiro, I mean, they, we, we've managed to make it work. But if you only have Ericsson and you don't have Casemiro, or the longer we went without Ericsson, it seemed to be a problem. Um, and hopefully Touchwood will come in towards the end of that run where they're both going to be absent. And we're, it's about getting through it in a way. Not, not saying that that's acceptable to say that we, we want, but we can accept these kind of performances. But, yeah. but we were expecting it. And, you know, especially, I know you guys covered it really well at the weekend in Newcastle. But just to talk on that for a second, in how it relates to tonight, we... I mean, not that I mean on this podcast, and our listeners will will not have had the wool pulled over their eyes. So there's no expectation level of thinking, "Oh, these players are going to be better than what they are." But we know that for some of them, even Martial, who played all right when he came off the bench, but like McTominay and players like that, you think, "All right, well, we know where we are with these players, and we know where we're not going to be with these players." So that's the level of expectation to just to get through the games like tonight and get the win yeah. on the board. And while I'm saying that, while it sounds like I'm being critical of McTominay, I think he was man of the match tonight. So. He was he was excellent tonight, yeah. yeah he, he was excellent, and he, he definitely can produce those performances. Not all the time, and we know his limitations. And, and you're totally right, yeah. We, when we're without Casemiro, we lose control, and when we're without Ericsson, we lose the ability to build through midfield in the same way. Yeah. And and they are big losses, and, and we've paid a, a heavy price for... Missing Casemiro. I think of of all the those away defeats, 
that we've had this season. It's only the Liverpool game that he actually played in and or, or the sort of important way defeats. And it's definitely become a pattern, yeah. United's poorer performances away from home. And and so there, there's been a, a mega loss and he's missed seven games through suspension and two halves through red cards for a little tickle and a little bit of a late challenge. And it's not like he punched a ref, is it? Right. But he's, he, he, missed, <laughs> he missed about the same amount of games for it. So, yes, def- definitely mitigating circumstances that we... Casemiro will be missing for the Everton game at the weekend, but then he's back, refreshed, yeah. I guess. Ericsson was back in training this week, so he can't be that far away. Maybe a couple of weeks, we might get him for the last 10 games of the season or something like that. I think that's a ma- massive bonus, isn't it? Martial, we know how much more dynamic United can be with him in the team, but he's a 8 out of 10 or a 2 out of 10 player. Yeah. nothing in between or he's injured so it's not like we should pin our hopes on him <laughs> but but you never know yeah you never know so yeah i'm definitely not i mean it's look important three points I, i'm not down even though it was a it was a middling performance wasn't it they just didn't put all the elements together good first half second half kind of dropped off yeah and but three important points got through it you said like 25 shots how can that even be remotely accurate when Anthony had 35 of those curling efforts <laughs> yeah I know um, but but the con- is that- again the conditions sort of set up for that kind of thing as you said the, with the Brentford player trying it at the death his was even worse yeah it was yeah funny thing he's He's taken a lot of criticism this season, Antti, but I, I still think he's a kind of important player for United. I like the fact that he carries the ball. Now, I think we'd probably want him to beat a, a man more often than he does, and he doesn't actually beat his man very often. Maybe it's confidence, maybe it's lack of, the lack of pace. Mm. But he does carry the ball into some important areas. He, he, Him and Dallo seem to work together. They're... Uh, Dallow was underlapping a lot in that first half. It gave United an extra man in midfield. I thought that was a, a kind of important tactical yeah. aspect. He's very comfortable doing that. Anthony will go wide and then sometimes they're swapped over. So it does feel like a good combination. I thought Anthony was actually pretty good against Newcastle and I was surprised he went yeah, off. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I agree with that. So. On the other side, mm, Sancho. I, I want to see him given a run of games over... Even if it means putting Rashford in the middle, because I still think he'll score goals like like tonight, and you'd rather have that problem than than Vegost. And I'd rather give Sancho a run than Vegost at this point. And but I don't know. I, I, I've seen a lot of criticism for him as well, but I feel like, and I, I'd be more critical of Anthony than what you have this season. But I feel the criticism for. I feel like maybe I've been a little bit harsh on Anthony, but I don't feel like. Maybe I've not been harsh enough on, on Sancho, I don't know. I, we've given him a lot of slack. Like I mean, the club have really looked after him, and, and we don't know if those problems are ongoing, but I, I think it's fair to say that if he's back in the side, we should be expecting better performances, and he's just... It's like he, he runs around, and if he doesn't get... He's not really a problem solver. He goes back to plan A, and if plan A doesn't work, he spins around and tries plan A again, and you want players of in those positions to have a whole box of tricks to get through. And I, I know it's maybe a similar yeah. thing like you were saying to Anthony, but at least Anthony does do different things. I mean, the shot is the same shot, but he does try different things. He just try and open the game up. And Sancho's yeah. very much, is he, he has to go back to that position. If it doesn't work, he's going back to that same position to try and start again. And it's, it's quite, I mean, it's frustrating for him. It's frustrating for us to watch as well at the minute. 
when he when he first came back in in the first couple of games back, I saw him take on a player a couple of times yeah. and even use his left foot, getting uh, which which is not he's not a a touchline hugging winger who's going to whip in crosses from the left. That's not him. He's he's much more of a kind of wide creative player, yeah. uh, but at least it gave him another option when he did that. Yeah. But if he's prepared to go on the outside, at least sometimes, then it's not obvious he's always going to be looking for the wall pass, which is basically what he does. He cuts inside, he's looking for a one-two, and he's looking to play intricate passes. And it just feels like he's much more one-dimensional than I remember him being at, at Dortmund. Somehow. Yeah. He's a much better player than this. I mean, it's not like at this stage, nearly two years into his United career, we can say he's definitely going to somehow make it because... Right now, looking at his performances across those two years, you'd say he probably isn't. And I can't put my finger on why at all. It's 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 definitely a, a big step down from his performance levels in, in Germany. Yeah. Well, the one thing I will say, what again, like earlier when I've been critical on McTominay, I do want to end with a caveat and a positive caveat, is that all of that conversation that you and I just had, we could have had that. We could have just been talking about Marcus Rashford for the last three years. So, oh yeah. So we've got got the manager, and the player's got the skill set. It's just hopefully about that kicking on a good summer behind him and and getting that proper chance. Maybe if he gets a good preseason behind him, obviously there's no international tournament this time round. He might have a full summer's rest, a full summer's preseason with United, and and then free of the kind of shackles that have been burdening him this season, he might hit the ground running next season. That That's the hope, obviously. Yeah, I'm, I, he's a little bit of a concern, but more of a concern, really, because of the fact that he costs so much money, and you look at him thinking, well, if, if he's not going to make it, do you move him on and, and try and liberate That'd him? That'd be hard. Exactly. Do you know he's what I mean? On a me- he's on a mega wage as well, because he's, he's very well paid in Dortmund, yep. so... Yeah, it's uh, it's the trap, isn't it? These uh, as Chelsea are going to find out if you, if the players don't work out. At least with United, they stick them on five years plus one, not the eight years plus one mm-hmm. that Chelsea have. The genius that is Todd Bowley has managed to managed to construct. Well, he's making a lot of good decisions. He's a, he's had a lot of good decisions at Chelsea are being made at the moment. They're, that's a manual of how to run a football club. If ever you've seen one, wow, it's special, isn't it? It's it's special, quite special. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Anyway, back to back to Sancho. I'm I, I'm fingers crossed for the lad. I, I mean, he's got a good coach in Ten Hag, who is not going to chuck him under the bus. He's obviously is willing to wait and be prepared and do the right things. Is very very demanding. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think there'll be any lack of clarity about what he expects of him. So, and and if after the break. The preseason, Touchwood, no injuries, and and he has another poor season next season. Then, yeah, of course, United are going to go. Well, okay, maybe we can. He can try his luck elsewhere. Until then, yeah, it would be very nice to have him fit and firing. Well, they, well, I think these, it, uh, it, last ten games is possible. It could be done. A word of praise as well, because we don't know what's going to happen with Luke Shaw. How precautionary that substitution was, but Malassia was fantastic when he came on. It was great. It was really good. And yeah, I had that concern again. Flashbacks. What happened at Brentford? At Martinez and 
and Malassia there together. I'm thinking, oh god, here we go. But no, they dealt with it magnificently, and and I liked. You know what I mean? You don't know with players and the temperament how, how ghosted that they are by how spooked they are by those kind of incidents and. And they were both really aggressive about it. They both played really high up the pitch, which obviously is for the better because you don't want them playing really deep susceptible to crosses. But they, they played it right. Obviously, it's a tactical move to do that. And you would expect United to do that at home anyway, bullishness against Brentford, but they did. And it's, <laughs> you know me, on this podcast over the last couple of years, it's kind of like anything that, can be taken for granted or was previously taken for granted that we see now I think no I want to give it fair credit because <laughs> I mean even when you see us play like we did against Newcastle you realise that all these things cannot always be taken for granted so to see I don't know would you call it a semi-comfortable 1-0 win against Brentford when we, when we <laughs> needed to squeeze the win out I'm taking it as a sign of progress so yeah what did you think of Sabitzer today He's kind of interesting player, isn't he? I don't, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm struggling to know what to make of him because he's not a pure defensive midfielder. He's a better, he uses the ball better than just a water carrier. And he's not actually that dynamic. It's not like he runs around yeah. putting tackles in all the time. I, yeah, I don't know what to do with this. Like, you put me on the spot because I, I was hoping that I'd just reserve my judgment until the end of the season because I, I, I don't know. I was excited excited. I, I was confident when he came in that from what I'd seen of him previously that he was better on the ball than Fred and McTominay and I think that's evident. I think he's more responsible or pragmatic than both of them in terms of so here's a thing that I would say again not to harp on about Casemiro and Eriksson but one thing that they share that none of our other players seem to share, seem to possess is um, a real care of who receives the ball and what I mean by that is Pass it. You have a lot of our players who they they want the complete pass, but they it doesn't always seem apparent that they're bothered about where they play the teammate into. As long as the pass gets complete, it doesn't matter what situation the teammate's in. Whereas right. Casemiro and Eriksen do care because obviously they, they're looking at the next phase of the move. And even Fernandez, and I wouldn't change him. I wouldn't change Fernandez. This isn't necessarily criticism. Where he's trying the Hollywood pass, he's trying to find the breakthrough. He's not necessarily thinking what's the best pattern that I can develop here? Whereas Casemiro and Eriksen are a lot more responsible because possibly because of the, their experience at the top level that and the teams that they've played in to like finding space for each other and appreciation of teammates' movements and everything. I don't think you always see that with rest, the rest of our players. I do think you do see that with Sabitza. I just don't think he's as good as Casemiro or Eriksen. And I think that's where my... Um, my kind of thing is like he's, he's a good step in for those. If if you want to bring Ericsson off for thirty minutes, then Sabitzer is a very capable player to come on and replace him for that thirty minutes. However, if you want him to replace him for ten games, it's a difficult conversation to have. Then that's where I am with him. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'm being unfair because I do like him. No, I think that's fair. Yeah, it's it's that's kind of why I was saying I wasn't sure what to make of him. Really, he's good at quite a few things. Yeah. I'm not sure he's great at anything. Yeah. And so he's one of those players where you're, you're like, he's nice to have around the squad. But so is Scott McTominay, and so maybe he's just a body. You'd kind of hope in the summer United look for another really top-class midfielder because the drop-off between Ericsson, Casemiro, and the rest yeah. is too high. Yeah. But in which case there'd be too many bodies 
possibly in midfield, especially if you want to leave any room for any of the youngsters to to have some game time next yeah. season. We'll see. And we'll see what happens. United's one. issue is somewhat compounded by, and I don't want to sound defeatist because we've only had them both for a season. It, their ages. United can't be looking to say no to be saying this is a, a good option B for the next two years. Ideally, and I know everyone will say, "Oh, financial position is dictates this isn't going to happen." But ideally, United need to be in a position where the player that they bring in is one who is ready to take over from Ericsson Casemiro moving forward. Not not next season, obviously, but groomed for that takeover. Whereas historically, and as I say, historically in the last ten years. United don't do that. They bring in a player who will be a good B or C player. But we've got plenty of those. And, you know, what happens in two years when Casemiro is getting on and you need that A yeah, player again? Yeah. You need to be preparing for that. Now, I'm sure 10 hour is it's just whether or not we can get those, find those players. I mean, the, you, people will say it immediately. Bellingham's an obvious one, but he's, he's A plus to go in there immediately, isn't it? We're talking about someone being groomed for that position is a very difficult difficult transfer. Belling's a very different player to Ericsson, but he's the player he would replace, basically. I, I, I mean, I don't actually expect that one to happen because I, I'm not sure. Unless unless the takeover is completed in time, which right now we're unsure about, and, and United can find some sales, I, I don't expect United to drop 100 million plus on a, a central midfielder. It, it wouldn't really fit with the financials right now. I mean, A, there isn't the cash. Yeah. Literally isn't the cash, although a sale would obviously solve that problem immediately and be the financial fair play position is tight. I don't think it's quite as tight as some people in the media have. I mean, I'm obviously don't have full view of United's position as in like, what are the payments? But back of an envelope, how much United have spent over the last three years trying to work out what the FFP position will look like. And it's a bit complicated because there's a sliding scale now in yeah. European competition. We just need nine-year contracts. So, that's what we need. Nine, yeah, that's nine right. plus yeah. three. <laughs> no, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I'm not uh, taking that into that's genius. Let's do. It. Why not ten? Exactly right. But that's what I'm saying. Take just disregard the because I'm I'm just waffling about the the hypothetical of what United actually need in in that sort of next period. And and obviously this is like we're talking about a club that are perfectly in their groove and with a a better squad dynamic than United have had for the last six years. So I'm, I'm talking about the midfield area because that's the area we're currently talking about on the podcast when you can make that argument for every area of the squad, really, and, and needing to upgrade to A-plus areas where, I mean, Casemiro and Eriksson are, are good enough to chat. Well, they're, they're in a, a team. They're the area in a team that's good enough to challenge for honours, whereas maybe we don't have that in other areas as well. Yeah, fair. Right, but three points... Yeah, yeah, after the disaster was Newcastle, that's important. Momentum back. We've got Everton at the weekend who are dreadful. Yeah. Although, I mean, they have managed to pick up some fortunate points recently. But you did Everton at home at Old Trafford, where we've been pretty good this season. You'd imagine that is another win coming into the European games. Hmm. So. Well, that's confident, Ed. Uh, well... <laughs> Let's call that a rhetorical question. You, then, shall we? Yeah, you, you would imagine. Okay, yeah. Think I'm praying for a rainy day on Saturday <laughs> for the same reasons up tonight. Ericsson might be back in the squad. He might be optimistic for that one. So we, we're likely to start with the same kind of composition. But if we have a strong defence 
and show or Malassia, that's fine. And if we have a strong attack where we don't rely on Thagos and we've got that vibrancy in attack, I think you can gloss over some ills as long as other areas of your team are dynamic enough to compensate. So if we've got a dynamic front line who are moving about all over the place, then the accuracy of the passes in, in retaining possession might not be too important as so long as we are. The only issue is that I think Sean Dyche will be coming for a point. I think he'll be unapologetic about that. I think he'll think that Everton are well-schooled to be able to frustrate United. And he's got every reason to believe that. So, I mean, Burnley have pulled it off at Old Trafford a few times. He's, he's a master of doing that. He, yeah, he's, he's got some good results against us in the past. So I think he'll have every reason to believe that he could do that. So, And, of course, when I say, because this is, again, with the caveat, because if there are any Everton fans listening, they'll be saying, oh, well, we, we want to win as well. well. Of course, what I mean is you'll want to frustrate and then in the last so, uh, half an hour or so, like uh, Brentford did tonight, the, the game is there to be won. So on Everton, I remember last season, we had a, a it was the it was a terrible game where Martial, was, did, was Ronaldo on the bench or something? And, and oh, he came on and Martial scored and he had his chance and then he came off with the injury and it was... Oh, mm-hmm. God, it was dreadful. And that was the start of... Well, that and Ever- the Villa game was the real start of the sort of crumbling of the Oli Empire. So, And Everton, I, I think they'll fancy the chances. So I, I'm not... Just as I wasn't confident ahead of tonight, but this is, this is, again, due to the fact that we don't have the kind of midfield who are capable of dictating the possession in any Premier League game. So oh, yeah. and that, that sounds like I'm being really hypercritical after we've won a game of football. It's just the reality based on what we've seen over the last two years. And I'm not I'm not necessarily criticizing them for it. We know that that's the truth. Yeah. So it's about getting through that and, and yeah, I was being a little bit mischievous earlier, but if the elements are in our favour because if they're sitting back deep, United are gonna need to hold on to the wall and break down. But if if the weather's crap and they're forced to sort of kamikaze the ball around, then that can help Rashford sort of Thunderball efforts, and do you know what I mean? We'll we'll see on that the the weather front. Although you know Manchester can normally be relied upon <laughs> to to deliver on that front. Hang on, I'm going to check while while you're talking. I yeah, yeah, that's it. Go go go. Get on Apple Weather and look at the hour by hour for Saturday. Yeah. They're very very functional in midfield. I'd say with Everton. Yeah. So they, I mean, they played Anana, Decore, and Adrisa Gay against Spurs. And they barely played a pass between them. Yeah. It was just really attritional and, and just relied on the uh, Michael Keane special at the end. Presumably, Agent Keane will not be trying to smack one into the top corner at Old Trafford. Yeah. He better not. But, he just got himself hero status with that last... <laughs> that go well, yeah. not quite. I, I, but, I, I uh, tweeted and I thought he'd get more retweets than, than probably the 10 that it managed, that it was the best goal he ever scored for Manchester United. And I thought it was very smart, but yeah, people on Twitter did not seem to think so. Maybe I've been lost in Elon's changing of the algorithms or something because... That's it. The algo is truly screwed up at the moment. I don't know about you, but weird stuff seems to be happening on all platforms. We had Dogecoin pinned to the top left on the desktop. I love, and, I love uh, that meme. And I'll, I'll revisit that meme. Is it like 10 years old now, that meme? And when I'm you first, sure. uh, I have to tell you, how, this is how easily amused I am, that when that, that meme first came out, every variation of it 
I could not get enough of. It's not something that I would publicly admit at the time. I don't really think it's safe enough distance 10 years on to admit that you found it funny. But I did find it funny when I logged into the web browser and I saw a dog in the top left. And I'm like, what are you doing, you crafty little so-and-so in there so it was like elon's thing i thought oh yeah that's that's quite funny yeah that's what he does he uses his platforms to push whatever agenda he's got and and then don't know about your timeline but absolute random nonsense they seem to have taken away the little retweet it was retweeted so now my timeline is just full of nonsense people are retweeting and i can't tell whether it's retweeted or i'm following someone that I didn't mean to follow so i've not spending a lot of time trying to clean my timeline up yeah the joys of twitter yeah, beautiful platform. I love it. Um, Absolutely no problems at all, yeah. Always a really civil conversation, I think. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. Elon, just listen to the last 20 seconds of this. We're, we're your best friends. We love that platform. No no gremlins. And, yeah, it's beautiful. And I don't know why you didn't oh. buy United like you promised you were going to. I know. Well, it's because he spunked all his money on, on Twitter so he could work it, work it perfectly, yeah. yeah. Well, a bit, bit of a challenge when you fire everyone, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> going off on tangents. Yeah, I mean, I, I have not been impressed once when I've seen Everton this season. Not that I spend all my time watching their games. No. Of course. So, no, they, but. Obviously, they've been bad to necessitate the sacking of a manager. And they must have been bad to necessitate the hiring of Sean Dyche. If that's the, you've gone from Carlo Ancelotti to Sean Dyche in less than a generation, then your objectives of a football club have become drastically different than you had hoped they would be. And um, this is the thing, though, is it's certain certain teams like, like Eddie Howe, like, I've got... <laughs> I shouldn't admit this in public again. This is worse than Dogecoin. Dog, not Dogecoin. The meme. The, not the not the big. So I've I don't want to say begrudging respect because I think that that's too strong. But the Eddie Howe thing, right? I think that like, you know you turn up to a game and you're like, oh, it's an Eddie Howe team. And before I'd get frustrated because they waste time and they're horrible to play against. But now I'm like, do you know what? They've got into the top four playing that. They haven't invested loads and loads and loads of money. Yes, it's probably a sign of the relative weakness of the league and kind of scary to see what they'll be able to do once they do start investing properly. 250 million quid? Relative. That's quite a lot of money. It is, but I mean, relatively speaking, with with the top half of the league, it's like when you consider that they're above Liverpool and and they're above us and all that sort of stuff. To get to where they are playing this horrible brand of football and knowing the potential for, for where they could go. So I don't have any... I don't begrudge them getting to where they are through how the way that they've done it, through unapologetic tactics. And what I'm saying in a roundabout way is that... That's, I've got that same kind of respect for Sean Dyche because he was never a little bit like Sam Allardyce, but Sam Allardyce for for different reasons. It, it was funny back then because it was usually to our benefit because we'd be challenging for a title and he'd wind up Arsene Wenger or something like that. So it was funny to see Arsene Wenger to see Sam Allardyce as Bolton get a point or a win against them. So it's a little bit like that now with Sean Dyche that. I don't mind him as much. I will mind him on 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 Saturday. It'll wind me up, no doubt. But yeah, I, I don't know. Everton were a strange one because they they were meant to have loads of money and they were meant to be like 
leapfrogging into this next position, and then all of a sudden they're going to be failing FFP and everything. I don't pretend to know the ins and outs of what's happening yeah. there, only to see that it's been a complete disaster. One of the well, they spent five hundred million quid of the owner's money on really, really, really bad purchases. <laughs> so that's, that's what happens when you keep spending lots of money on players that don't work out. Eventually, it catches up with you, which is kind of part of the part of United's problem. And then, as and well. then you. So, and then you hire Sean Dyche. And then you hire Sean Dyche. Well, I, I guess they bought the players that might fit with the Sean Dyche system, talentless cloggers. <laughs> most, <laughs> most of them. <laughs> wow, you said uh, that. Back to Eddie Howe. I mean, I, I mainly begrudge it because there seems to be, well, for three reasons, I think. One, Eddie Howe has zero integrity, just none whatsoever. Two, uh, Newcastle is a an offensive sports washing project from an abhorrent regime that goes around murdering people that don't agree with the government and their cheerleaders open Newcastle and cheerer or their media cheerleaders don't talk about it at all ever. They have no integrity either. And three, there's this sense of entitlement amongst Newcastle fans, which they haven't earned. I think it's all right to be, to be arrogant as United fans because United won everything for years and years and years. I, I like how you, yeah. you've stayed with United as well, because that seems to have wound them up something right. No, sorry, by, by the way, everything you just said, fine, fair, I completely agree with. I just meant Eddie Howe in isolation, when you consider within the realms of doing the things that are legal to do, in terms of yeah. this is on the football pitch, you don't like the tight yeah, yeah. He's, he's grown as a manager. I mean, if you remember, Bournemouth scored goals and then just conceded billions of them, and he spent a year off travelling around Europe, learning how to play Catanaccio and and uh, waste time and all of that kind of stuff. So it's, yes, it's he's beautiful to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, at least I would say Sean Dash is not as horrible to watch. Well, I have nothing to look at. <laughs> to look at, I mean, I'm... Him personally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> Some people may find him more and delightable on the eye. I don't know, I'm not to judge on that one. But I, I find these teams less offensive to watch than Eddie Howe. I just, I'm judging, I'm lumping them all in because you said talentless cloggers and then obviously you think of talentless cloggers and you think of Burnley and Everton, don't you? And True. Amongst others. And... I, you made me say that, and I was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and be respectful and not say it." But it was just too good a line to not jump back. He struggled against talentless cloggers, Ed, and Sean Dash has brought them to Old Trafford before, and they've gone away with points, and that's a little bit why I am to come round to the point of the conversation. A little bit apprehensive about our chances on Saturday. Yeah, no, fair enough. By the way, we, we we spent a whole bunch of time there having a go at Newcastle. I went and put five past West Ham tonight. So. Is, is David go. Moyes still in a job? I mean, he might not be for very much longer. It is incredibly tight down the bottom. Just the five points, six points between 12th and, oh, sorry, seven points. I can count. Between 12th and 20th, just seven points. So Everton are right in the mix there. So West Ham. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. I, 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 I have no sense of pity for David Moyes whatsoever. I'd be quite happy if they went down. We, but we went in on him on a previous podcast, and I've already done overdone my quarter of bullying yeah, managers yeah. on this podcast. I can't, can't do it for David Moyes. It's not nice to see managers lose their jobs. <laughs> so we don't find any joy in. No. So. No. 
No, well, just a little bit. We'll get to play Chelsea again for the end of the season, don't we? So it looks like we have Frank Lampard. Yeah. It looks taking over there. Another wise I think decision. that's a few games' time. I, hopefully, the manager bouncers have disappeared by then. Well, they might have a different manager by then. Well, you're a bit optimistic to say it's going to be Frank Lampard. Todd, he's still, will he be in situ then? Yeah, Todd might yeah, be in charge yeah. in by what, then. Five games time. That's a long time in, in Chelsea land. Um, he, he probably should just be honest with himself and do it, shouldn't he? Yeah. He's, he, he's, I know that, I mean, we'll be coming back round to that when it's time to play them, but it is quite exceptional what's happening there. And, and another wise decision from Chelsea to to go back to Frank Lampard, which is, which is the one thing I didn't expect to happen. But then again, should I be surprised? Not really. Very good. I mean, it's amazing. You've got Nagelsmann, Pochettino, Zidane, and Luis Enrique. Yeah. All out of work, all available. No compensation has to be paid. Presumably, we'd all quite like to work with a mega squad of very expensive players yeah. and live in West London. And there's lots of things that are attractive about that, that job. And they're appointing Fat Frank. I don't know, though, because... There's some there's some logic there somewhere. No, because, you know, like Spur, people forget before Conte took the job that they... Well, I don't know if people forget that for the last couple of managerial appointments, they've had real problems in actually getting someone to take that job. They had a couple of people sort of turn it down. and Spurs yeah. have, yeah. So and what yeah. I'm saying is I know Chelsea are in a position where they've got a lot more money and you would say that the chances are generally better at qualifying for the Champions League than what Spurs are, but they're not in that dissimilar a position at the moment. I think a lot of people, don't get me wrong, there are plenty of short-term coaches looking at that saying, oh, I won't mind a £15 million payout. But I think there are some coaches like Zidane, who's he's got a peculiar but very obviously exalted reputation with what he's done. You don't quite know how good he is as a coach, only that you know that he's won some seriously good trophies and that, yeah. that should say a lot. But would he want to go to the melting pot of Chelsea where that's that's 50-50, isn't it, really? You don't know how well that's going to go for Zidane. There. There's no guarantee that that'll go well for him. There's no guarantee it'll go well for anyone because it's such a mishmash down there. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, we could you could be in a situation very soon where there's three state-owned clubs in the Premier League, with all the 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 skewing effect that has. I mean, if I was a betting man, I'd say that's the probably most likely outcome. And 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 then Arsenal, Spurs, Chelsea, Liverpool, and some others all chasing that fourth Premier League spot. So yeah. Attractive job, but one that comes with some some risk. And and the one thing that Chelsea seem to have done is that they've worked out that if you're going to give a coach a very long contract and pay a lot of compensation, you should probably have a clause there that you can fire him for not quite as much rather than have to pay out the full five years of his contract. They did at least do that after paying £17 million to release him from his contract at Brighton. Yes. That's... Do you know what, though, as well? And I know we've gone so far away from United. There's got to be United topic we can return to to close on but we're talking about little victories for provincial football clubs and I've been disparaging more than you to the Burnleys and Evans of this world so let me congratulate in a non-condescending way Brian because how well they did to just sort of get on with the nonsense 
and flourish in the way that they've done. That obviously the, all the people at Brighton yep. anyway, and I know a couple of people who work there who who work so hard to make that a properly run football club and how despondent they all were when Graham went to Chelsea. So you know what I mean? And the risk that all that sort of falls apart or, or regresses. So to see them rewarded in the way that they have been and to see them play probably even better football than what they did under Potter at times. The the FA was it the FA Cup game they played against Liverpool where they absolutely tore them to bits. Mm-hmm. And is it is it Matomo, the, the winger that they've got? Yeah. Japanese winger, is yeah. Great player. Fantastic yeah. to watch. Ferguson, both of those players I'd love at United, by the way. The, the yeah. scouting's magnificent. The the support is magnificent and they really deserve it. So while we're talking while we all having a bit of a laugh at Chelsea, let's all compound that by saying look how well Brighton have done to rub their noses in in that as well. But not that I, I begrudge Potter again, not begrudging some managers. I don't begrudge him taking that chance, but I'm delighted for Brighton that they didn't suffer because of it. Yeah, a very well run club. Clearly, obviously. And so they just seem to Trossard went and Matomo comes in scores a whole bunch of goals and they sold Cucurella for a ridiculous amount of money. And just brought a Stupian in, who's a very good player as well. Joining a provincial clubs and coming back to Chelsea, they were a provincial club twenty years ago. <laughs> wow! <laughs> and now they are the the third best team in West London. <laughs> so, no, they were they were then too, weren't they? They were third best team in West London then. That, that's their rightful place. The, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Okay, United. Have you talked about Luke Shaw? Does he deserve a new contract? What do you feel? Well, he's, he's got a new contract. I mean, I think I think the thing is, he really, clearly, really has to believe he's under pressure for him to pull out his best performances. And and he's got an injury tonight, but he's been relatively injury free this season. And he had the kick out the backside earlier in early in the season, didn't he? With Malassia coming into the side, and I seem to have spurred him on. And and yes, so absolutely, if he's fit and playing. As he as he does, he's a top class left back, and and of course United should keep him. So I, there's always just that little thing at the back going like, oh, in the aggregate over his time at United, there's probably been more bad performances than good ones. Yeah, but in the last two years, he's been excellent. Yeah. So it, it's just an interesting point because we're coming up to that point in the season where renewals will be on the board. Obviously, Rashford's another one. I don't quite know. Yeah. I, I might have missed it at some point. The 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 reported salary for sure, if it's a massive bump up or something. Obviously, that's the one that they'd be talking about with Rashford, if it's going to be a big bump. I look at 12 months ago, and I love Mark. He's like, obviously, I adore him, and we've talked about him loads of times and how, how much it means, how much more it means that he's a local lad, and especially everything that he's done and all that sort of stuff. But I do find it, I guess, amusing in some respects. Like 12 months ago, we'd be talking about whether we'd be lucky enough to get a contract at all, never mind one with a massive salary bump, which he's likely to get. And I, I'm just curious where the club are at at the moment in terms of a lot of these players, like like Rashford, like Shaw, who've suffered ups and downs, and whether we're still... You know, you're still looking at them thinking... Again, I don't want to. This is not being critical to Rashford at all, but when he doesn't score, as his performance level being magnificent this season, he's still gone missing sometimes. He still looks our most likely player sometimes. So I'll give him cutting the slack on that. But against Newcastle, for example, there are, and against Liverpool, he's been anonymous in some of those big games. And it's kind of like those are the games where you want 
the players like Shaw, like Rashford to step up, and they haven't. And I'm not, I'm not being too critical. I'm saying maybe that's their level. No, it's fair comment. And, fair comment. And the, yeah. the question I'm, I guess I'm, I'm putting to you is just as a general conversation point: Is it a problem that United are going to get into? What they're not really, maybe they're sleepwalking into it, where there's a lot of these players that they might offer. Um, big new contracts to who might be good enough for Champions League squads, but United's ambition over the next three or four years is to move beyond that, and we don't want these players to be the headline acts of a team when the, you know what I mean. The Champions League level players, yeah, you make that. I, I think that's okay with Rashford and Shaw. I mean, obviously, you want to make contract extensions based on what you think their performance is going to be over that four year, four or five year period. And and Rashford obviously had two very difficult seasons. I think I guess the club took the the view probably correctly that a lot of that was injury impacted and and impacted his confidence very severely, as it turns out. And that playing the long game with Rashford has paid off. Of course, if he signs a new five year contract at mega money and he's crap next season, then we'll all look a bit silly, won't we? Exactly, yeah. Sure, sure. This I mean, this should be his big last big contract because of course history will tell you and and it plays out for most players that you know after 30 the performance levels decline so four years takes him to 31 i guess you think about a shorter extension then but yeah. the performance levels decline so this one's okay but you can't you have to manage the squad and united haven't done that very well over the last few years either what is the balance of younger players and older players you've already pointed out that in central midfield quite old yeah. basically our two first choices and you'd want to bring a younger player in there to balance out the composition we've got a reasonable balance at the back Obviously, Dallo's young, Malassia's young, Martinez is young. They may, maybe if Maguire goes, they bring in a younger central defender. Yeah. We'll see on that one. So, But you're right. United haven't made these these contract renewals based on merit in the past, and, and we should be suspicious. I mean, Shaw has got a contract in the past, probably hadn't earned it, really, but it was this policy of retaining the asset value. Same with Phil Jones, not having to go at him, but... But that happened, he got a contract when he hadn't heard it, and probably Anthony Martial as well, who got that five-year contract and definitely hadn't heard it. It was all based on some theoretical value that may come in the future. Yeah, but De Gea as well is another one where obviously he's he's one who's up for renewal at the moment. And look, I'm not not saying that not any of these players don't deserve to be at the club. I'm just looking at like the next sort of the medium to long-term thing and saying, if you saddle yourself in saying these players are going to be your definite starters or your, your headline acts for the next yeah, two or three yeah. years. De Gea feels really marginal to me, yeah. that one. I mean, there's just too much of his game that it doesn't feel like it's kept up with the times. Yeah. So his actual data is not very good this season. I mean, he's pulled off miracle saves. There were a couple at Newcastle, good save tonight. I forget forget who the Brentford player was that was running through, so the one-on-one save. He's done that, but his overall save percentage distribution, handling, claiming, build-up, like, it's all really bad. Wow. He's in the bottom quartile and every metric you'd measure a goalkeeper by. You were Osher on him than you were on Eddie Howe. Good grief. <laughs> well, I hope he's not listening to this. Oh God! I, well, I still love you, David, and I thought that was an exceptional save that won us three points. So there are two ways. It was. There are two ways of looking at this. It was. Yeah. It was. Wow. Yeah. No, yeah. but yeah, I, I, <laughs> no, because of the point I was making originally about that's the position that United are in. I mean, yeah, do they 
they have reportedly put an offer on the table and it is a reduction in terms, which I guess is sensible from United's. And, yeah. and not even from a business aspect, from from a long-term planning aspect, I see a sensible decision being made. So I, I guess... It shouldn't be a long contract either because if it's like three or four years, then you restrict your ability to find a, another keeper. Yeah. So, I mean, put it another way around. Where, what, what is the level David De Gea would find if he left United this summer? Because I don't, I don't think he's moving to another top club yeah. in Europe. But um, again, I love David, so I'm not going to join in that conversation. What? Oh, I do. But, For everything, he's got a lot of bank of yeah. bank of credit. But this is like renewal of contract is no. Is going but forward. you spread yeah, you so. spread that around the squad, don't you? You say that about any player that you could hypothetically see an exit for. Martial, McTominay, Fred, Sancho, even Wambasaka, Dallo, players that you you want to sort of have a good push in the side, Maguire, and you look at me, it's hard to envisage a seriously a team that's going to challenge for a title taking one of those players off our hands. Let, let's be as fair as that without being too. Critical. I think Maguire would fit in really well in Eddie Howe's Newcastle, and I think he should be at least a hundred million to that lot. Well, yeah, it's like like yeah, using the long staff principle. There, there was it fifty million they quoted for him. Then, yeah, I think one hundred million <laughs> is fair, and yeah, yeah. he does. It's actually. You make a joke that he does fit Eddie Howe's brand of football, and he probably would be very good at Newcastle. Because he's not a defender without his talents, and he's probably Let's do it, Eddie. Make our day. We we we've. You can, are you listening now, Eddie? Because <laughs> obviously you are. And we've but been probably unlikely, but yeah, you never. We, know. We've been full of praise for you for the last hour, as you can tell. Make our day. Just just reward that. Praise with a 100 plus million bid for Harry Maguire. Solve everyone's problems. All right. I think we should cut this nonsense short, shouldn't we? Good speaking to you, Wayne. Thanks, listeners. Enjoy United versus Everton. Let's hope for a fine victory for Eric's lads.